But notice in verse 20, then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying, the school of prophets that Samuel had, and Samuel standing as leader over them, the Spirit of God, notice, came upon these messengers of Saul. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The scripture says Saul sent messengers to take David. And when the messengers came to capture David, they came in the middle of a worship meeting. Samuel and his students were waiting on the Lord, worshiping him, speaking to the Lord, and hearing from him. Saul's messengers were caught up in the atmosphere of worship and devotion to God, and the Spirit of God came upon them. God's supernatural involvement by causing the messengers to turn from their dreadful deeds shows that nothing can interfere with God's plan for David and his descendants to be seated on the throne in Israel. Now let's join Pastor Rob. And then Saul said to Michal, Why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michal answered Saul and she said, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? Did David say that? Does that sound like the character in the heart of David? No, so she's lying again, isn't she? And she has good reason. In the flesh, I can understand why she's lying to her dad, the king. Because if she didn't make up this story, she too, and because of Saul's bizarre character and what he was going through, she feared for her life. So she told two lies. Number one, he was sick. Number two, he told me that if I don't let him go, he's going to kill me. What does that do now to David and Saul's relationship? Now David, or now Saul is thinking, he tried to kill my daughter. I hate him even worse now. Now I've even got a greater uh, uh, justification for killing David. Can you understand? And she made this whole thing much, much worse in a lie. She lied about him. I am sure David didn't say, hey, let's, let's tell him that I told you that if you didn't let me go, I would kill you. I don't think David would say that. David was in enough trouble. He knew what that would do. But she was, a, she was not a woman of great virtue, even though she claimed to love him. She was a liar, and she wasn't even a worshiper of God. And as a result of her lie, now, he, now she puts David at a greater risk. If she was just going to lie, she could have just said that David snuck out in the middle of the night instead of compounding his problem by saying that he threatened to kill her. But she was not a worshiper. We'll see this later on when we get to 2 Samuel chapter 6. When 
David brings the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem the second time, his second attempt and final attempt. He brings it in and David is worshiping. He's got, you know, he's got a, a covering for his lower part, but he's got his top part off. And he's, I'm sure it's very hot. And he's just dancing and twirling and he's totally in the spirit worshiping God. What a wonderful sight it would have must have been. But she looks out the window and it says she despised him. She despised him. Many will see it. But some aren't going to trust in the Lord. Michal was not a worshiper. She despised David. In fact, in chapter, uh, excuse me, verses 11 through 17 of this very chapter, we believe that that's where David wrote Psalm 59. Why don't you just go there with me real quick? We'll read through this psalm because it's exactly based upon this incident of the men surrounding the house, surrounding his house, seeking to kill him as soon as it was time. Notice, if you notice in your Bible, you may have a, uh, a prologue or whatever you want to call that up at the very top of the psalm. Mine says, to the chief musician set to do not destroy a miktam of David when Saul sent men and they watched the house in order to kill him. So David, later, he's recalling this event and he wrote a song about it. And here is the song. He says, deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Defend me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloodthirsty men. For they look, they lie and wait for my life, and they certainly did. The mighty gather against me, not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. And David knew that this was not about anything that he had done wrong. He was an innocent man. He was an innocent man. And they run and they prepare themselves, verse 4, though no fault of mine, awake to help me, and behold, what's happening? You, therefore, O Lord of God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to punish all the nations. Do not be merciful to any wicked transgressors, Selah. In other words, think about that. Dwell upon that. Consider that. At evening they return. They growl like a dog. And you can just see these henchmen, (laughs) these henchmen, just the vilest of men, hired killers, They return at evening, they growl like a dog, they go all around the city. Indeed, they belch with their mouth. Swords are in their lips, for they say, who hears? But you, O Lord, shall laugh at them. You shall have all the nations in derision. And notice, David, I will wait for you, O you, his strength. For God is my defense. My God of mercy shall come to meet me. Notice how instead of talking about what's happening, now David is is, is talking about God's great ability to deliver and his waiting upon him, waiting upon him. He says, do not slay them lest my people forget. Scatter them by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride. And for the cursing and lying which they speak, consume them in wrath. Consume them that they may not be And let them know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth, Selah. Let them know. These men who were coming around trying to kill David, they had no idea. Or if they did, they were willingly ignorant of the fact that they were actually working against God. Don't ever be found in a place where you're working against God. God had a plan for David's life, and it had to be established. Do you understand? Solomon had to be born. 
It was through David's loins that Jesus would come. Do you think anybody could hurt David? Do you think that the heavenly host were not aware and watching what was happening? David was invincible, even though David in the flesh was very frightened at times. God was going to preserve him because David's heart was right. He had a good heart. Where's your heart tonight? Do you have a good heart? Meaning, do you desire to do the right things? Are you beholding wicked things? Are you watching wicked things? Are you listening to evil things? Are you partaking in evil things? Everything matters to the Lord, doesn't it? And see, he loves you. He wants you to be holy as he is holy, to be separate from sinners, of which we are all sinners. We have all sinned. Not one of us is perfect. But God wants us to be blessed, and the only way to blessing is obedience. We have to be obedient children. That means I've got to stay away from the things that God tells me to stay away from. I need to do the things that God would like me to do. I need to stay away from those who are bent on evil. I need to take it seriously because people today aren't taking it seriously. They're no longer think, even as a Christian, they, they, they come up with a thing and they, well, God will forgive me. Yeah, he can forgive. But you know what? There comes a point where God will give you over if you don't turn. And if you're hungering and thirsting for God tonight, then don't worry that God has given you over because he has not. He has not given you over. The fact that you're here tonight is proof positive that you have not given over. Otherwise, you wouldn't even be here. So don't worry that you've done some horrible thing that God is going to cast you away forever. But there is a point, and only God knows this point, and it's individual to every person. Don't take his grace for granted. Don't shun his mercy and his grace. Don't treat these things lightly, because we don't know. For one person, he can allow them to get away with it for years, and another person, only a few weeks until God exposes them. And you know that that's true. I've seen it. He doesn't treat us all the same because he knows us very intimately. He's got a plan and a purpose of it, and he is very gracious to every one of us. Make no mistake. But notice in verse 16 of this psalm, he says, But I will sing of your power. Notice his whole heart now is about the Lord now. He's not even worried about who's coming after him. But I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud. Now he's worshiping. I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning, for you have been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. To you, O my strength, I will sing praises, for God is my defense, my God of mercy. What an awesome psalm. Write that off in the margin of your Bible here in verses 11 through 17, because that's exactly the psalm he wrote when he was recollecting this very event. So back in verse 18 in our text, it says that David fled, and he escaped, and he went to Samuel. Notice, he goes to Samuel at Ramah, and he told him all that Saul had done to him, and, he, and Samuel went and stayed at Naoth. And you know, this is, um, there's a story, and, and, and I love this. I, I liken David to being this, uh, this little small bird in this illustration that I'm going to share with you. It says, a story has been told of the time when a small bird, and I guess this was a, a true story at some point. The story has been told of the time when a small bird, chased by a hawk, flew through a window to find shelter in the waistcoat of John Wesley. 
Fascinated and thrilled by that incident, the famous preacher wrote these words, Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. As the hawk was chasing this bird, David, like that little bird who was being chased by the hawk, Saul, very similar thing. He's running for refuge. He could have run to the Lord, but you know, David knew Samuel. Samuel was the one who anointed him king. He was probably one of the few allies that David had. And certainly the rest of the country of Israel, they love David, but how are they going to go against the one that, is, that the king hates? Any one of them who had given David shelter or, or harbored him for any length of time, that, you know that that man will be killed and probably the rest of his family too. That's how it works. Verse 19, now it was told Saul, saying, Take note, David is at Naoth and Ramah. And so then Saul sent messengers to take David, and when they saw the group of prophets prophesying, because Samuel had a school of prophets there in his hometown, he knew his time was short, he was an old man, and he was training up a bunch of other young men, and I love that. He was a discipler, which is what we all should be doing, guys and gals, discipling the younger, bringing them up, our kids certainly, but others in the fellowship, be a discipler, be an example. Take them out for lunch. Love on them. Bear with their immaturity. Bear with their silly things that kids and young teens do sometimes. Love them in spite of those things. You were there, remember what it was like? Don't look down upon them. You were there, love them. Who else is going to love them? If you don't love them, guess who's going to love them and take them in? The world. The devil will love them if we don't love them. Did you know that Marilyn Manson, many have heard of Marilyn Manson. He is a um, satanic priest in Los Angeles. Also a rock musician. If my memory serves me correctly, he used to be a churchgoer when he was a kid. And the kids turned against him. And instead of loving him, they turned against him. And again, it's no reason to worship the devil as a result of that. But do you understand, he was denied by the church, even just his peers. And as a result of that, it led him on a path that unless he repents, he's going to hell. And isn't it a good idea for us to talk to our kids about how they treat other kids in the church too? Helping them model to be better people, to be inclusive, to not be looking at some kids and not including others and being sectional, you know. Those kinds of things hurt kids. We do that as adults, too. We hurt each other. That's why we have to love. We have to learn to love. We have to let the love of God be shed abroad in our lives so that it might go out and be effective for others. Amen? But notice in verse 20, Then Saul sent messengers to take David, and when they saw the group of prophets prophesying, the school of prophets that Samuel had, and Samuel standing as leader over them, the Spirit of God, notice, came upon these messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. Now remember, prophesying was not only predicting the future, but it's also showing forth the Word of God or proclaiming the praises of God. And that's probably what they were doing. They were praising the Lord. They were showing, showing forth His Word, speaking of His Word. They were prophesying. And verse 21, And when Saul was told, he sent another, other messengers, because he's wondering, why haven't these guys come back with David's head? 
So he sends others. And they prophesied likewise. And then Saul sent messengers again the third time. They prophesied also. And then he also, after sending a delegation of three, now he comes himself and wants to know what's going on. And he came to the, the great well, which is at Sechu. So he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? And someone said, indeed, they are at Naoth and Ramah. And so he went there to Naoth and Ramah, and then the Spirit of God was also upon him. The first time in, in quite a while, the Spirit of God came upon Saul. Because remember, God had taken it from him. It was upon Saul at times, but now the Lord just left him. But now, after who knows how long of the time he's been going on in his flesh and being distressed by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And do you see the grace of God in that, folks? Do you think God was just... Yes, he was done with him being king, but do you think God loved Saul still and was anxious and, and wanting to have him turn and be different? Of course. If Saul at that moment would have taken the crown off his head and say, you know what, David, I, I've treated you horribly. You truly are a better man than I am, and I admit that. And I have wronged you in so many ways. I want to make it up to you. And not only that, I want to, let's do this now. I'm going to step down and I want you to take the rightful place that God has put you in. But he didn't do that. But God here in his mercy is giving Saul another opportunity. Is God good like that? Does he give you a second, a third chance, a fifth chance, a 22nd chance, a hundredth chance to get it right? Think of how many times you've sinned and how often God has been gracious. It's when you confess it and you make the same, you do the same thing. Does God still love you? He certainly does. Does he forgive you when you sin? Yes, he does. He's giving Saul another opportunity to stop pursuing David with his hatred. And the Spirit of God falls upon him. And notice, verse 24, finally, he says, And he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? It doesn't mean that he was completely naked. They had undergarments, but his outer garments were completely taken off, and he was just blown out. The Spirit of God came upon him. And I, I just I love this idea that even though he was going to, his kingdom was going to end, he wasn't going to be king for much longer, although it would honestly be a, few, a handful of years before it would come to pass. Saul temporarily was willing. You know, God extended this mercy to him. Remember, it says that God does not delight in the death of the wicked. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that included Saul. That included him. God didn't want Saul to perish and, and go wherever he went. That's debatable. I, I have no idea. God wanted him to live. He, God gives us several chances. But again, let's not presume upon that and take it for granted. Take every second chance you've given as if it's your last. Because you don't know. That's why we can't take things for granted. It's not safe to take things. If we comprehend grace, we won't play games like that with God. Does that make sense? Grace is God's unmerited favor. I don't know when it's going to 
you know, when my time is up, if I continue acting in rebellion, God's gonna, there's going to be a time where he's just going to say, is that really what you want? If that's really what you want, then I will let you have it. I'll let you choose the thing that you're desiring so greatly. And folks, you never want to get that. You never want to get what you want apart from God's will. You never want it. So stop striving. If you find yourself striving, ask yourself, why am I doing that? Give yourself over to the Lord. And remember that God loves you. He's got a better plan for you than you've got for yourself. You may have ambitions and goals, but God's design for you is perfect, and it's good. And don't worry about how to get there. Just be willing. Be willing. Say, Lord, you lead me. I can't figure this out. I I don't know how to get there from here. I don't know how to get there. You know what you do? You be faithful in the small things. Be faithful in the small things, right where you are, and God will work that all that out. You don't have to worry and stress and, and freak out about it. I, I can tell you that from my own experience. God spoke to me back in, I'm trying to think of what year it was. I think it was like in 2009 or eight, 2008 or 2009, and he actually spoke to me very clearly about what I'm doing right now. But at the time, I was happy to be leading worship, and Pastor Jeff was the pastor, and I was happy to do what I got to do, and I was totally thrilled. But he spoke to me about that. I remember the day and the time, and exactly what he said to me. It was very brief. But what am I, what am I going to do? Go up to Pastor Jeff and tell him, uh, <laughs> no. I'm just like, Lord... I love this man, and I'm going to serve under him, and I'm going to give him. I'm going to serve you with everything I've got until, and and I don't even know how to get there. I don't I don't know what this means yet. And little by little, it started falling into place, and <laughs> had no idea. But if you want God's will, just do it. Just just re- relinquish control of your life. He loves you. Trust him. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you for this example uh, here before us, Lord. It, it's a, certainly a lot in this chapter, Lord. We see a lot of uh, great friendship. We see treachery. We see the thoughts of murder. We see cons- conspiracy And yet, God, after all that, you would anoint Saul. Lord, you certainly are the God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth and many beyond that. And Lord, help us to to love you, to trust you, and to give ourselves completely over to you, Father. And so, Lord, help us to be like David, just to have that kind of character, just honest and, and faithful in the small things where nobody can see, Father, what no man can see, you see, and you're the one who exalts one and down another. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the examples we have before us in your word and, and just uh, pray for your blessing on us all tonight as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.